Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Go ahead and get this turned down. What is going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and you're now tuned into episode 118 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Sorry for the wait. Uh, a lot been going on outside of uh, this job here, and I apologize for it. But I'm gonna give y'all two new episodes this week, so y'all just bear with me. All right. So thank you for being patient. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, let's see what the first thing we need to talk about. Oh, okay. So me and the wife, we went and seen A Wrinkle in Time um, with uh, with Oprah and, you know, it was directed by Ava Duver- DuVernay. And, um, you know, uh, it, it was a kid's movie. It really was a kid's movie, um, you know, and I, I think uh, me and the wife, we were like, man, we want to see more of, uh, you know, Oprah uh, and the other two uh, women. You know, I forgot their names. Mindy, uh, Mindy K. I forgot Mindy's last name. And then what's the one? What's the other lady's name? Because she's doing her thing as far as a production company. <sighs> okay, so we wanted more of them, right? And uh, you know, it's more of them little kids, you know, traveling around. But my problem with the movie was, um, if y'all don't know what it's about, it's basically. Uh, this little girl and her adopted brother uh, they're trying to find their father who uh, basically figured out time travel and space travel and you know connecting dimensions along with his wife and he figured out how to do it with his mind and so he's stuck somewhere in the evil part of the galaxy or something like that and they need to get him back and some boy from school tags along and this boy he could not act for shit like I thought he was part of like the bad guys or something just the way that he was acting but he could not act his way out of a paper bag like that that was bad but um the the movie was cool I could see how you know kids would like it um the effects were amazing and uh it was a good kids movie and uh that's something we had to remember because like I said we kept on wanting to see more of the the adults in the film and things like that instead of following these little damn kids through the galaxies and these different planets and shit like that but there was one funny part at the end when oprah was talking about uh you know warriors who kept the world in the galaxies uh you know on par in a positive light and things like that and uh, they said gandhi was one of them i was like okay nigga we gonna throw this whole damn movie in the trash because gandhi was a fucking bigot he hated hated black folks black africans he hated them with a passion with a passion and uh so we have this this distorted view of him like he's this peaceful man because dr king followed him uh but dr king didn't know how bigoted uh your man's gandhi was so that i found that very funny but uh let's stick on the task of uh india africa you know the motherland the continent um the homeland so did y'all see there was an article in the new york times about australia reaching out to uh, south african uh white farmers uh so australia's home affairs uh minister uh, Peter Dutton but I would say you know let me go back let me not shit all the way on a wrinkle in time take your kids to go see it 
Um, it's, it's, it's a decent movie for the kids. You know, y'all, you know, y'all drop the kids off to go see that. And then, you know, y'all go, you know, to the mall next door or something like that and come back, you know, in an hour, 45 minutes, two hours. You know what I'm saying? It's one of them type of movies if your kids are old enough. But, uh, okay, let's go back to what I was talking about. So, Australia reaching out to these white South African farmers via the uh, Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton. So Australia's Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton uh, said that he wants the uh, white South Africans to be granted emergency visas for refuge in a, and I quote, in a civilized country. All right. So if y'all didn't know, South Africa is taking back their land from colonizers uh, that stole the land back in the 1600s. So they said the first colonizers probably came in there about 1652. And then, uh, you know, they handed the land down via legacy. So just giving it to their kids. So, you know, stealing it and then passing it down to their kids. So the South African Parliament voted. 241 to 83 to confiscate the land from white farmers without compensation. In 2017, white farm uh, farmers owned about 72% of the farmland. And when the apartheid ended, that number was at about 85%. So it dropped down just about 13%. So not a significant change, right? So the power was still all in these uh, colonizers' hands who uh, took the land. Now, it's interesting to me, and I remember this name, Minister Dutton, you know, he wants to be lax with immigration when Australia had to pay out millions to uh, Middle Eastern and Asian Muslim refugees due to harsh conditions in those detention camps that they had off the coast. Um, the minister, you know, defended those camps by saying that Australia should not accept refugees that will be a burden on the social safety net. And that all only thing that means is uh, keeping Australia uh, predominantly white. That's all that that means. And then there were some uh, stories about Dutton when he tried to blame a Sudanese wrestling team uh, for the rise of crime in Melbourne. And Dutton is quoted as saying, let me find this, uh, because they're followed home by these gangs, we just need to call it for what it is, of course, African gang violence. So you had these Sudanese uh, refugees come over and they're still practicing their, uh, there was a great video about it. Uh, they want to keep their culture and they're practicing uh, Sudanese wrestling and things like that. So they're trying to say that this is a gang, but there's no statistics that back this up. So, you know, stats do not reflect, you know, Dutton's sentiments. And according to uh, Victoria's uh, crime statistics agency, out of the 65,000 criminal offenders, only 846 of those were Sudanese. And that's about 1.3%. That's crazy, right? And it's, it's wild to see white folks get on code, even on a global level. You know, so this is a last stand by the dominant society to try and keep the social hierarchy in its current place. And that's just amazing to me. And uh, just let me know what y'all think as far as the South Africans, the black South Africans uh, taking their land back without compensation. Now, there's this whole uh, crazy ass argument um, from uh, from bigots, uh, white bigots saying that, uh, you know, basically South Africa is going to go to hell uh once they get the white farmers out there because white folks brought civilization to africa and that's a big myth very big myth um so you can go to places like zimbabwe um and see just black folks doing very well very well and uh you know everything came out of africa as far as being a community civilization and things like that and no one wants to talk about how the moors the black moors that's where the term black is a more come from black a more uh you know brought europe up out of the dark ages you know showed them uh you know how to bathe how to corral animals and use hot water right but how easily we forget so um now you know they they there's that whole myth of you know once the africans take over africa south africa is gonna go to shit yada 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 white folks are more civilized than the black savage and all this other stuff but no one wants to talk about how they came in and ravaged the land and uh you know stole it so 
amazing to me right just it's just crazy how folks uh forget and they buy into a myth you know uh you know christianity is supposed to be the uh the civilized religion of the world and all this other shit and uh there's a great saying uh when the uh when the colonizers came into africa you know they had the uh, bible in their hands and they told the Africans who had the land to close their eyes and pray. And when they opened their eyes from praying, the African had the Bible and the colonizer had the land. Just letting that out there. Just putting that out there for you, player. All right, let's talk about white men and guns. Uh, it's been a very hot topic uh, going on right now. So I came across a great article or a blog, whatever you want to call it, in, on, uh, in the Scientific American about why white men are stockpiling guns and the article starts out by um saying that since former president obama uh was elected in 08 the number of guns manufactured here in the states have tripled and imports have doubled so you think that means that more people are buying more guns no it actually means gun owners are stockpiling them they didn't see a number and rise of like new uh people you know registering guns and buying guns it was just the same old owners stockpiling them so a sociologist named angela stroud she did a study on a license to carry applicants and uh, she found that racial fear and anxiety was uh close uh was close second to uh quote unquote protecting their family so first thing was protecting their family second thing was a racial fear and racial anxiety and they used it as Obama as an excuse, saying things like he's for welfare and he's for free health care. So basically, he's going to give black folks all of these benefits and we need to run up and kill him and those recipients of the uh, benefits. Right. So that's the mindset. That's the thinking that uh, and I tell told the story a million times. Uh, one of my mama's uh, uh, mom, Duke's uh, co-workers. Uh, when uh, Obama got elected she, this woman was tearing up she was on lunch with my mama and she was being very honest with my mama and she wanted to know that since a black man was being becoming president is he going to enslave all the white folks now that is amazing to me that they would have that mindset because you know justice to them looks like revenge that's what I took from that you see what I'm saying? Uh, equity looks like revenge. So that could feed into these fears. So um, her claims, uh, the sociologist uh, Stroud, her uh, claims were backed up by other things, uh, by other studies um, that the Scientific American pulled, such as a 2013 paper by uh, UK, United Kingdom uh, researchers um and they found that uh excuse me indigestion killing your boy mm. they found that uh a one point jump in the scale they used to measure racism uh increased the odds of uh owning a gun uh, by 50 percent so basically um they see <laughs> So racism increased the odds of owning a gun. That's that's wild. And then there's also a 2016 study from the University of uh, Illinois at Chicago found that uh, racial resentment among whites uh, fueled opposition to gun control. All right. And then another study that they cited was a 2017 study in the social studies uh, quarterly. They found that gun owners had become 50 percent more likely to vote Republican since uh, 1972. And that gun culture had become strongly associated with explicit racism. And then here's a blurb from that last study from 2017. It reads that uh, for many conservative men, the gun feels like a force. Uh, for order in a chaotic world and that's 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 crazy and studies showed that uh white men that had economic anxiety or experienced economic setbacks were most attached to their guns and felt like they were better than others and more prominent in their communities and the nra loves to say uh the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun well 
According to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, white men are more likely to pull the trigger on themselves. They're actually three times more likely than a black man to shoot uh, themselves. Uh, just due to dealing with uh, anxieties and things of that sort. Now, Dr. Francis Crest Welsing, may she rest in peace, broke down the fascination the white man has with the gun in her book, The ISIS Papers, um, saying it's an extension of his manhood to compete with the black man um, because the black manhood is capable of genetic annihilation of the white race. So saying a black man laying down with a white woman, the baby still will come out dark, right? So you... And then you, if you see that child, that uh, mulatto child or that mixed child mates with a black woman, child gonna come out even darker and therefore pretty much erasing uh, the white mama, you know, uh, her genes, you know, just taking the white genes up out of there, right? Um, so just because, you know, the black manhood is capable of genetic annihilation of the white race, so they even the playing field with the gun. You know, she breaks it down in a manner that makes all, all the sense in the world. And this is true. But what's funny is you really don't want to say that in like a social setting, um, you know, to kind of bring that up. But it's kind of, you know, that scientific American uh, article or blog post, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it kind of, you know, kind of leans towards that way, what she was saying. But most folks were trying to call, uh, you know, Dr. Welsing uh, crazy in the mainstream they were you know of her saying how symbolic the, the the gun is and how powerful it is and how it's used as the great equalizer because i mean you look at it like i said with uh black manhood you know the semen can pretty much you know the genetic dna that we have can pretty much you know wipe out you know an entire uh you know white race so to speak but then you have the gun, a great equalizer, you know, uh, a man, a white man will feel like a hell of a man, you know, running around here with a pistol on his hip, you know, taking black men out. So, um, but like I said, um, so what are the, some solutions as far as this goes, you know, as far as this illness of thinking that you know you having this racial anxiety makes you want to go out and stockpile more guns if you're already a white male gun owner uh what are some solutions to this this problem because I, I do feel like it's a problem no white man should be out here feeling like just because there's a black man in power that you know this this man is going to seek revenge on you like i said to some of these white folks out here um equality or justice looks like revenge you know an eye for an eye and that's how they're thinking but that's an illness to really think like that and to be out here just stockpiling guns and things like that and going through you know economic anxieties and things like that but you feel like you need a pistol on your hip and that'll solve all your problems it won't because with those economic anxieties and those racial anxieties them cdc's gave them stats you're most likely to blow your own damn head off so we need to disrupt you know the social hierarchy system that's in place and you know it goes white yellow red brown black that's just we just need to get rid of that somehow some way you know it's only benefiting a few and hurting a lot um, you know, it's even hurting the ones that is meant to benefit. Just like I said, you know, just the whole suicide rate is higher. And then a gun in the home, we know uh, it raises the chances of a family member dying, you know, being shot by that weapon, being killed by that weapon in the home. Right. You're not. There's not too many times you're going to have to deal with a home invasion and you need a fucking AR-15 and a couple of revolvers and a 9mm pistol. And then you're like, oh, you know, you have a home invasion. Where do you keep your gun? Oh, I'll keep it right under the bed. So you don't keep it locked up, you know, for your little child to come in there and start playing with it. Then they're like, oh, I do keep it locked up. And like, OK, well, how long does it take you to get to it if there's a home invasion? You see what I'm saying? So it's just like a catch 22 right there. But the main thing is, you know, the social hierarchy, it's an illness. I mean, you look at the school shootings, you look at the suicides, domestic violence, the ends in murder, you know, with those in the dominant society, you know, this social hierarchy is meant to benefit you. But at the same time, when you start seeing other folks that don't look like you starting to make it and figure out how to maneuver in the system, then you're like, 
hold up what the fuck is going on and that's how you had the birth of the alt-right right so you had all these uh these 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 bigots just kind of join forces online and start talking about their social anxieties and how the niggers and the kikes and the uh and the japs and you know all these in the slant eyes are getting all making all this money you know i mean they one of the big things that they hate so much is uh seeing the asians in uh, silicon valley taking these tech jobs and when i say asians i'm talking about you know like indians and uh, and people from uh you know, uh, and then the, the Chinese with the uh, the infrastructure that their infrastructure that they're building, the Japanese with their uh, their culture and just the anime and things that was going on like that, which is ironic because a lot of these art writers are heavy into anime and love Japanese women and you know women women of uh, that type of descent. But so you had these people with this economic anxiety and these men who felt like you know shit should be handed to them and that's the whole platform that donald trump ran on when he said make america great again because he's actually talking about that era pre-civil rights era when the government was giving out all these benefits to uh, white folks with the introduction of the gi bill uh you had the uh highway act uh creating so many jobs across the whole united states and uh you know these different social welfare programs that weren't quote-unquote welfare programs and uh you could still you know a nigger knew his place you know what i'm saying so that's what that's when you know that's the good old days and that's the whole maga argument but uh they like to tell you that it was a a time when uh you know the government was smaller and all this other shit but government was just handing out billions of dollars left and right okay just just printing money out of thin fucking air you know and creating so much and discriminating so much you know so that's when they mean when they want to see a smaller government they want to see uh handouts and benefits given just to those that look just like them but the whole uh the whole one percent the top two percent whatever you want to call it whoever runs this country who's buying this country basically benefits off of racism by you know pitting working class folks up for what i say from upper middle class down against each other and making some people feel special in this uh sick societal hierarchy that we have hierarchical system whatever the fuck you want to call it and uh it's just you know keep the people fighting while i'm you know you know moving these puppet strings and pocketing all this damn money but we know that there's only one race the human race but this system of racism white supremacy it must be destroyed and replaced with a system of justice because it's it's hurting its own people that it's meant to benefit supposedly makes sense right so let's see what else we got up on that summer damn jam screen oh so uh the 2020 census uh, will ask black folks about their non-hispanic origins so besides checking black off on the census there will be a space to write in like african-american ethiopian jamaican etc so what's the benefit of this um it said uh, basically in the npr article that i read it said the data could be used um you know just to see how many african americans are here and how many uh immigrant um black folks are here and things like that and i think that you know uh the data could be used to cut that equity check you know aka reparations you know it could be used in the argument there you know in front of the supreme court um but some blacks are worried you know with this wave of anti-immigration and the government bans that the government is trying to keep an eye on black immigrants or detain them so let me know what y'all think you always know to email me at do rags and boat shoes at gmail.com and i'm gonna leave it to my man hove hove what you got to say don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen i smoke rocks i smoke rocks all right thank you so much tyrone biggums hey tyrone let me know uh what you about to uh put on that 2020 census what you gonna put swerve mcgee as your nationality where you from or just the uh, the rockhead god all right whatever whatever all right so moving on to selling hope like dope uh let's give it to uh council bluffs the city next door uh part of my metropolitan area 
the Council Bluff City Council voted five to zero back on the 12th to lend its support to bringing medical marijuana uh, to the city. So bringing a dispensary to the city. So the dispensary will only be for uh, permanent Iowa residents and it'll be non-recreational. And what's even crazier about this is the mayor of Council Tucky, he was very vocal about not having a dispensary in the city. He's pretty defiant. Um, well, it is pretty defiant from the uh, city council. And the chief of police, uh, he actually supports uh, the city council. Uh, he's worried because the dispensaries uh, have to be cash only since it's illegal on federal level. Uh, so that makes the dispensary a target for robberies. Um, Council Bluffs is well known for its redneck population and its addicts. Uh, not only drug addicts from uh, base heads and meth heads, but the gamblers in the casinos. Because they're and so if you're not from this area, not familiar with it, there's a bunch of casinos over there. A lot of folks from my city, uh, Omaha, and part of Black Omaha, they head over there to have a good time. And uh, speaking of that, uh, Mikos is coming, so that's what's up. Uh, they're coming in May, so I can't wait to see them. That'll be fun. Uh, kind of you know veg out and have some fun and uh shake my imaginary dreads but yeah so we got uh we got a uh, horseshoe over there we got harris and uh and ameristar so we got these huge casinos over there and man last time me and the wife went we went to a movie across the river over there by one of the casinos and then we're like oh we'll just gamble a little bit you know spend like a little hundred dollars and see what happens you know and man that shit was depressing like and you can still smoke inside the casino so everybody got a cigarette and they just sitting there with they drink in their hand just looking at video poker or the slot machines and ain't nobody smiling not a damn soul and i'm just like we won't be back because just the energy was off just being in there you know it, it ain't like they showing them commercials people smiling and you know the guy you know throws the the red dice and he hit a seven and he grabs his woman and he kisses her you know and everybody's like yeah this motherfucker just won thirty thousand dollars you know it ain't nothing like that it's just like motherfuckers over there gambling they rent money trying to double it you know and just trying to come up and it's just it is sad it's just like okay if i stay on this slot machine you know for another hour i get a free steak dinner you know it's like uh the energy is just off there it's just uh, yeah it's just it's just not good it's not good but anyways um let's see here um yeah back to what the fuck i was talking about so uh you got a bunch of addicts over there in the city um but you know i just wonder how this will impact you know the my city the neighboring city omaha black omaha you know and will it fuck up the game for the omaha plugs you know get dumped out due to a dispensary connect you know what i'm saying nebraska needs to quit playing and legalize it you know that's that's one thing they need to stop um and the reason that i have it in selling hope like dope is because just of the issue uh the latter issue that i said how would it affect the neighboring city um and not only looking out for uh pot dealers here weed dealers here the loud pack uh gang whatever you want to fucking call them but the thing is with colorado just west of us uh out in the panhandle uh that's what they call it nebraska is shelving out so much fucking money and overtime to state troopers because we have uh interstate i-80 that runs from you know runs east to west west to east whatever you yeah, want to look at it and then you got uh 29 north and south you know once you make it to uh parts of omaha right um so you have people coming from colorado you know who who have a connect you know dealing with them dispensaries there and then they try to you know come back east or they try to come back east and head down south with it and the state troopers are just you know they're up to their eyeballs in overtime and it's shelling out so much you know of the taxpayers money to pay them so they just need to quit bullshitting and go ahead and um legalize it because now you got iowa legalizing it you know on a medicinal purpose and then you got colorado in the west so i mean you got your the state directly east to you and the state directly west to you already legalized it so what's the big fucking deal here 
And like I told y'all, as soon as Nebraska legalizes here, even though uh, I, I'm creeping up on a year at this house, I'm dumping out the savings that me and my wife have, and we're opening up a dispensary, and we're jumping in on this shit. But, um, because this is just like the motherfucking uh floodgates opening up you know once they uh once they got rid of prohibition and shit like that and i'm trying to be the fucking budweiser of bud you know what i'm saying that's what i'm trying to get to i'm trying to get to that level be a household fucking name a brand name it's a brand name i own it i stand by it you can call it anything you want you can call it red magic black magic i don't care just don't call it blue magic it's a brand name like pepsi <laughs> yeah but i'm telling you i'm gonna be two two toes into the game uh two feet into the game elbow deep i'm gonna be in the game getting it getting these packs off legally but um yeah but uh so we're gonna see how this affects the city um over here i get the feeling that uh a lot of folks gonna be committing mail fraud just like they used to do uh back when i was a kid uh before everything was kind of electronic um because the taxes here are so fucking high in nebraska it just doesn't make any sense cost of living is cheap but the taxes are just fucking disgusting like uh our property taxes were in the top five for the highest property tax and i just paid uh we just paid our first half property taxes and it's just fucking disgusting and um our uh taxes to uh, get your plates our wheel tax is fucking disgusting it's like how are we paying a wheel tax and these roads look like shit so let me uh, just give you an example so so property taxes are like over two almost two percent which is unheard of and you're paying that every fucking year but um as far as the the wheel tax so that's the biggest chunk of when you get your plate. So say like you buy a uh, $20,000 car, right? So you feeling good, feeling great. You know, your credit looking good and shit like that. And you're getting a $20,000 car. You only had to put $1,500 down because your credit is, is pretty damn good, right? So you're like, fuck yeah. But you got 30 days to get your plates here, right? So in them 30 days, you're going to have to hustle up two grand it's, it's pretty much 10 percent of what you paid for the vehicle so you're gonna have to hustle up damn near two grand it might be even a little bit over two grand now because i don't know what the wheel tax is looking at but the majority of those funds goes towards the wheel taxes which is the tax that you pay to drive on these shitty ass roads in this in this great state and it is crazy and then you think the next year is going to be cheaper you pay two grand next year it might be like uh maybe thirteen hundred dollars the next year and you still like what the fuck you know but that's the tough thing about uh dealing with uh the taxes here in the state because uh there was a brother who used to uh he, he was the license plate man he was the he, he had a connect at the dmv and they locked this brother up and it sucks because the streets ain't been the same without him but this brother, um, he was set up at the gas station. I ain't going to say which gas station because there might be somebody else there who took his place. And I'm not mad at him. But so basically you would go there and if you needed some plates, he would get you some plates. And the thing is, they would be legit Nebraska plates with the Nebraska sticker and everything. You know, the dated sticker. And he would have in transits also. Uh, if you needed them in transits are like temp tags i think everybody should know what in transits are it's, it's like you in transit to getting your plates so he would have both of those and then if you needed to like if you just needed if you had you already had some plates off an old car so say like your old car you didn't sold it and you about to get a new car you kept your old plates and you just like shit you know i can't afford these plates i need another couple months and you would go see the license plate man and that nigga will hook you up with the the new sticker you know because you change that sticker every year here in nebraska and it changes colors like this year is black you know last year was white and uh so he would have them brand new stickers for you and i don't know who the fuck snitched on that brother i don't know who because he kept the streets in the all right place you know what i'm saying you know because uh most of them the cops do be looking to fuck with you but they dumb as fuck you know it takes them a long time to run your plates anyway by the time they run your plates you can be ducked off parked in the parking lot somewhere you know what i'm saying how many fucking parking lots are in omaha but i hate that they locked this brother up 
and he did not snitch because he had a great connect at the DMV because he had legitimate entrances, he had legitimate plates, and he had them legitimate stickers. Now, whoever was at the DMV and was his connect, God bless your soul, you know, and God bless that man for not snitching on him because I think somebody took his place. And if Agent Johnson of the FBI is listening to this podcast like they listen on my phone, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm high as a kite right now. And that's been selling hope like dope. I've been smoking crack with my nigga Tyrone Biggums. So, holla. This portion of Do Rags and Boat Shoes has been brought to you by the letter L. As in, hey yo my guy, my hands are full. Give me a hand here. Can you hold this L? Alright, so, excuse me. Coming down from that crack high. So, (laughs) moving on to hold this L. Uh, This is beautiful. Uh, the white supremacist implosion of the traditionalist workers party it came to a head it fell down it collapsed on itself last week due to infidelity so the leader of the party which is matthew heimbach uh this was the guy with the beard he was out there like fighting antifa like punching folks out in charlottesville and at other rallies and shit like that uh this motherfucker the leader of the party he was having an affair with the spokesman's wife, the spokesman of the uh, traditionalist uh, workers party. Uh, the spokesman uh, is named David Matt, and that's in quotes, uh, Parrot. Uh, he's actually Heimbach's wife's stepfather. This is some white trash shit right here, boy, if that makes sense. So it looks like the white supremacist leader was having an affair with the spokesman's wife before, which is the the leader's uh wife's stepfather. Boy, this is just some Jerry Springer shit right here. But then, you know, they told their significant others that they broke it off. So he was having an affair with this woman the whole time. But then they kind of they broke it off. And so the uh, stepdaughter and the stepdaddy, they didn't believe it. So Parrot, the stepdaddy, set it up that um, he and his stepdaughter would spy uh, on, which is Heimbach's wife. They were going to spy on Heimbach and uh, Parrot's wife. And they followed the adulterers to a nearby trailer home (laughs) that Parrot owns. Now this just gets trashier and trashier. They were peeking through a window on a cardboard box and Parrot fell and Heimbach went outside to check it out. And that's when they were confronted and Heimbach, uh, the leader, choked the shit out of the spokesman. And then uh, somehow the spokesman escaped and Jessica, which is uh, Parrot's wife, uh, she she was out there screaming and shit like that. And uh, why Heimbach was choking the shit out of Heimbach, uh, Heimbach was choking the shit out of Parrot. I'm sorry. And then uh, so then it dissipated somehow and the cops were called and later on showed up to Heimbach's house. He became extremely violent towards his wife because she opened the door for authorities um and so they saw that and then they arrested him and then he was beating the shit trying to beat the shit out of her right in front of the cops so the leader of the traditionalist worker party was arrested on battery charges uh the spokesman for the twp whose wife back was getting blown out by his uh stepdaughter's husband (laughs) uh he was so hurt by the disrespect um you know from him sleep you know blowing the back out getting his wife's back blown out and then you know getting choked out he destroyed the website and he said that the party is no more due to the white trash circus i fucking love this type of shit now i told y'all that white supremacy is an illness and if you let it fester and grow it will hurt other white folks and we have seen this plenty times before And this is another reason why we need a system of justice. You had these fucking rednecks running around here talking about that, you know, the Mexicans are taking the jobs. The blacks are benefiting from affirmative action, taking all the jobs. But at the same time, the niggers are lazy. Uh, The white man is losing his country. And these motherfuckers is fucking in trailer parks, fucking each other's wives and shit like that. This is how that's your leader. You know, I feel like Killmonger. Is this your king? 
You know, the, what the fuck? What the fuck? The Traditionalist Workers Party, David Parrott, uh, Matthew Heinbach, the women involved. I mean, this is just, this is just messy. This needs to be um, a fucking uh, episode of Jerry Springer. It does. It needs to, and I, and I hope that Paris' wife becomes pregnant, and then they have to go on Maury, and then she runs backstage because Heinbach is actually the daddy. You know, I just, I love trashy TV. And then I wanted to go as far as uh, Parrot and his wife going on divorce court and then getting sued by Heinbach on Judge Judy. You know, I just, uh, this is beautiful. It's beautiful. And this just shows just how dumb, you know, some of these leaders are, so-called leaders of these supremacist groups are. But y'all motherfuckers got to hold this L. You win. Perfect. All right. So moving on to not all heroes wear capes. We are going to have to give it to uh, the White Lotus group. So that's a uh, group that does different construction projects throughout the city um, uh, and different uh, business ventures. So they are going to create the Ames Innovation Center. Uh, so they're planning on renovating the old bowling alley on 56th and Ames uh, into a tech hub. So the plan is for companies to come into the tech space to lease the space and the talent, sort of like a call center. If you think about how a call center works, like say the company is uh, ABC Consult, uh, the, the company is ABC Consulting, and then um, you know Apple comes in uh, and wants to uh, lease the people from the consulting. Uh, which is basically a call center and it's just like hey we'll pay you this amount and pay your employees this amount and we'll give you this much for a budget and then you figure it out and have these people work for this set of many hours so that's how it's basically going to work um so say like a google or yahoo need people to do like a web security job or coding uh they will use that space in those people uh the white lotus group wants to employ over 200 people um let's see here they they renovated the building near 58th and Ames a couple blocks up the street uh with the planet fitness and the employment uh services uh, specialists and then they're also doing some townhomes just north of that location and um i was telling folks uh when that walmart opened up off of 50th and Ames, um that we would see a response from other companies they were going to see how how could because it's a poor area right so it's a uh, middle class um there's some hubs in the area of like middle class folks um and then there's just poor folks but you know how black areas and cities are you know what i'm saying um there's like you could have like a block full of nice homes and then you go down the hill and then it just look like a bunch of trap houses or a bunch of dilapidated apartments and then you go a block west or a block uh east and then you know you come across some more nice houses and things like that it's just black folks just grouped together so i don't want to say that it's just a poor area it's a black area it's you know it's my stomping grounds um always has been and you know and i was telling folks that once the walmart came in i just had a feeling that other businesses were going to watch and see how it went and so we ended up with the first national bank and then um so now we have, uh, you know, the Planet Fitness up the street, um, the employment services, and then across the street from the Walmart and from my bank, the First National Bank, is going to be like a, like the Fontenelle Hospital or whatever. It's like a, like a urgent, not a, it's not going to be an urgent care. It's actually going to be a medical uh facility or clinic whatever you know to go if you got a cold or you just need a check out check up you know or a physical or something like that uh you know your yearly checkup so it'll it's like a hospital but just a little bit slow a clinic duh it'll be a fucking clinic the fontanelle clinic and it's already up there um but it'd be busy as hell and it's small as fuck uh so they're expanding on that you have north star which is a program for uh the youth um up there and then uh, you always had the omaha home for boys up there but um yeah so that walmart it's a beautiful store uh landscaping is beautiful and um 
so I think other businesses were seeing okay let's see how these black folks act with this Walmart and didn't too much shit pop off there was like one incident where uh, a nigga was trying to kidnap a girl or something there and uh, so that was on the news but um, other than that that was it and then the only thing that I don't like is uh, that Walmart has fucking armed like police officers there like sheriffs and shit like that but what's fucking funny is how the managers be talking to them sheriffs they be talking to them like they work for them like they be like uh can you grab some of those carts please <laughs> can you go and grab such and such like they just be bullying them fucking sheriffs and they be like okay yeah i can do that yeah yeah because they be standing up there not doing shit but um yeah it's, so it's a re-emergence in the area hopefully my property values go up you know i'm not gonna be too mad at it uh some folks are screaming gentrification uh i'm not uh just because that walmart employed you know damn near 200 people and like fucking 80 percent 85 percent of them are black uh it's people that live in the community the same with the first national bank it's mainly black folks there um planet fitness the same thing uh so you know i'm not out here hooting and hollering i know these are white owned businesses but if these businesses are giving black folks jobs and opportunities uh to you know build and you know build a better life for themselves because there's a lot of brothers and sisters who didn't have that opportunity because of transportation issues so um they're showcasing their skills and building their skills at the walmart and you know moving up to uh managerial positions and things like that so you know i do not have a problem with it at fucking all um hopefully uh what we are seeing though is a re-emergence of white folks moving back to the east of the city the east side of the city and i'm on the northeast side and this is all happening on the northeast side but you're seeing it happen on the southeast side so towards downtown area uh, like there's those uh, row of homes uh, just near where a place used to be called fucking Crack Alley off of Leavenworth on the south side. So you're starting to see, uh, you know, people like my age, like 30 year old uh, married couples, uh, white married couples and, you know, successful 30 somethings early 40 somethings you know late 20 somethings you know who got who got a little bit of bread and ain't got maybe have one kid or no kids and just got money to blow and they you know want to come back and you know build their roots here but i mean the east side of the city has always been popping no matter what i don't care what nobody says they can have all these fancy bullshit ass restaurants out on the west side of town in them white flight areas the east side is where the culture is at on the northeast side you got the black culture on the southeast side you got little mexico so it's just there's nothing but flavor here east side of the city is nothing but flavor west side of the city i mean you go do your little clothes shopping and shit like that but if you want like fire you know food um just to have a good time different clubs and shit like that you always fucked with the east side of the city south or north don't matter you know you're gonna have a good ass time so we're gonna see what happened with this uh ames innovation center i really want to see um you know a lot of folks from this community learn some new skills and you know head towards you know coding uh web security um e-commerce and things like that and i really want them to uh, have different you know i don't know seminars classes whatever and hire folks from the community and teach them great skills and um you know just bring those jobs you know to the north side of the city because the problem is there's a lot of talented people here it's just folks is broke as fuck you know what i'm saying people can't you know the bus system here is fucking trash you know folks can't get out to these different jobs that's way out here and way out there trust me i know uh, you know where i work at out in the white flight area there's not even a bus that goes out to that motherfucker like the closest bus is like uh, drops you off two and a half miles away from that area where i work at out in the white flight part of the city and there's a lot of warehouses out there there's a lot of good jobs out in that fucking area too a lot of great jobs i'm talking about jobs where you about to be in the you know high 40s to you know the late 60s you know per year 
you know what I'm saying? But uh, it's just one of those things where people can't get there. Folks have the skill set, but they just can't get out there, you know. And a lot of times, folks will take their tax return, you know, that little two to five thousand dollars, buy a little bullshit ass car, and Nebraska doesn't have any lemon laws. So you have these predatory as uh, buy here, pay here places and you buy a car and they have you sign all this fucking paperwork and you drive it off the lot. And a week later, the goddamn, you know, engine blows out, transmission goes out, fuel pump goes out or something. You can't bring it back to them like, hey, this went out because they're going to hit you with, oh, we could fix it. We'll charge you this much per hour and we'll tack it on to the payments that you're actually making. So you just back in that fucking hole or they'll just tell you to go eat a dick. You already signed this papers, yada, yada, yada. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of predatory places here because there's no lemon laws on the book here in the state of Nebraska, which fucking sucks. So we'll see what happens with this uh, Ames Innovation Center. Hopefully employs the people that work in this area because I was watching an interview and he said that basically he wants people in this community you know to uh prosper and to be with the tech wave so we will see what happens all right so moving on to the last segment of the show health over wealth you know what i say without your health you cannot enjoy your wealth and this quote comes from comedian and actress uh, whoopi goldberg and it says we're here for a reason I believe a bit of the reason is to throw little torches out to lead people through the dark. So I say that to say this, um, always be a beacon of hope, um, always try to be your best self. Um, if you're not mentoring somebody, you're mentoring somebody from afar, somebody is always watching you, watching the moves that you make and uh, aspiring to be as great as you are. So you always want to put your best foot forward. And even if they're not watching, you know, you still want to be the best you that you can be because you never know. Somebody's always watching. But, um, you know, just just be the best person that you really can be. Always, always, always. I know it's hard work. Some days you want to be on autopilot and things like that. But just strive to be the best. Uh, strive to be a great role model to those around you and to those young ones around you and uh, like I said before just be that beacon of hope alright so nothing but love and respect to you and you know why I say that because some of y'all might not have somebody to say I love you and I do um, just make sure that you share this episode with a friend Share it with, uh, have that friend share it with five friends and hopefully those five friends share it with two friends apiece and that's ten friends and uh, just keep it going. So uh, I will catch y'all on episode uh, 119, which is right after this one. All right, holla.